Hello and welcome back, CFL Podcast Season 2, Episode 13. Today we're going back inside a coach's meeting where Jess, Dylan, and I discuss scaling workouts. For those of you guys wanting to learn more about scaling, head over to CrossFit.com and take their online scaling course. Highly recommend it. Enjoy. We have the uh, Hero Watch Smalls today, 800 meter run, 2 rounds, 50 burpees, 40 pull-ups, 30 pistols, 20 kettlebell swings, 10 handstand push-ups, then you bookmark it with another 800 meter run after the 2 rounds. So the first thing you did is you questioned and reduced volume. Great. And that's kind of the thing that, especially if we're starting out, even if it wasn't a hero watch day, these people were obviously somewhat familiar with exercise. They were okay with running the 800s at before in the end. So there's some sort of exercise there. If you had, um, and then you went through and you scaled the movements to make it appropriate for them, which there is two great points I want to, um, I want to make on that, that you did really well with that. I just want to elaborate on for the audience at large here, but, uh, real quick. So Dylan, when we go into that Shit, now I forgot what I was going to say, but <laughs> I was going to try to like cue up for another uh, piece of it. But anyhow, yeah, so volume being reduced on the first time, and even if it wasn't a hero wad, right? Like if you had somebody brand, brand new, mm-hmm. like obviously volume is going to go for the first like reduction, right? Yep. Um, so moving down the list of that, like reducing the volume, it actually kept them up really well with the class. If you saw, they were just like out in front of everybody, just the hair, but mm-hmm. still working hard enough to where like it was definitely no cakewalk, right? right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really uh, important that you find a scale that matches to the point where if you do it right, they stay up with the people that are kind of at the upper end of the class or like mm-hmm. right at the upper end of the pack, right? Because they're able to move through it. So a couple of the points that I want to mention on is the pull-ups. Pull-ups and GHD sit-ups are the two leading causes of... What was that? Rhabdo. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, because the negative part. That's yep. it. The eccentric movement of the um, the eccentric part of the movement is what causes the most amount of stress. So a lot of times people go to like jumping pull up or something like that, and you could actually do more jumping pull ups, but you're using the larger muscle of your legs, so there's not a lot of resistance down. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people go to like negatives a lot or with a band, and then that's when you start to get the resistance down. The ring rose is great because there's you're cutting a ton of the negative portion out by having them leverage with their feet on the ground. So really good call there because you were, you know, you scaled the movement to make it appropriate for them, but not only that, it, that significantly reduces the chance of that happening. Right Mm -hmm. now, if you did the ring rows still with like hundreds of reps, obviously that's still going to happen. But that goes back to the first point where what's your exercise level Okay, not that high. Let's reduce it in uh, volume. So then let's go down the line, just kind of use this as an example. So pistols, we'll get you involved with this one, Dylan. What's a couple good... We already have the air squats because Jess has never seen them squat. They're not familiar with CrossFit. They don't have the mechanics piece of the squat down. Mm -hmm. Let's say somebody does have the mechanics piece of the squat down, but maybe they don't quite have the pistol there yet. What are some, some, like give me two options and then give me two, why those are two good options. You, so two options. One of them you could do uh, a weighted step up onto a box. Um, And then the other one you could always hold onto the rig or you can put a band onto the rig. Uh, uh, The the box is uh, with the weighted, with the dumbbell stepping up is good because it's still single leg stepping up and still getting that same uh, motion as you would if you're squatting in the pistol. Right. And then uh, the band is, uh, or the rig's a little bit different uh, just because it gives you a little bit help coming up out of the bottom. So if you had, Yeah, if you had the mobility to get into that position, uh, uh, like for me today, my legs are pretty sore. I had a hard time standing up. I was able to have that band help me get up out of the bottom. 
Oh, so. yeah, or the rig, depending on how much. Yeah, or the rig, band, whatever one you use. Yeah, cool. All right, then the kettlebell swing was the second grade point you touched on there, Jess, where, like, the first thing she said to me was just reducing the height of the movement, which I liked, rather than defaulting back to a weight that's so light they don't actually understand the movement, right? Yeah. So that was a really good way you expressed that there. You were, like, just having to do Russian swings so they could learn the... Uh, extension of the the hip to drive the kettlebell up rather than just defaulting to something like so light. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that that well, that's very specific to today's like the hero workout on it. So let's play with a couple other things. What about uh, if we have somebody that will come in that's new to like snatching? Mm-hmm. What's a good What's a good spot for them to start at and why? The head. Gonna say something more about the hair workout. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Let's um, go ahead and wrap that up. I think just in general, to even scaling that amount of a workout is making sure that the movements are safe enough so that like you don't have to be there watching them the entire time. That's like, you great. You trust that they'll know the movements, even if you have to turn your back to go check on somebody else. That you'll be able to know that even whatever they're doing is it's safe. Especially so, yeah. like on hero workouts, typically right. they're larger classes too because we're. Shorter and yeah, because it's a so holiday. It's or always more good popular. as a coach not to have to sit there, you know. Like, yeah, right? and that's a great thing. And that's like if we're talking about building from like mechanics, consistency, and then intensity, that's really good. It's just you're focusing on the mechanics piece of it, but you're giving them something that they could work on themselves a little bit mm-hmm. to where you don't have to hold their hand through every piece of it, uh-huh. right? And then over that time, once they build consistency with it, they're going to become more advanced and more comfortable with the next step to whatever the scale is. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so oh, great, sorry. great character. No, no, that's perfect. <laughs> and then, um, so yeah, so let's get into a little, a little bit of Olympic weightlifting. It doesn't have to be snatching in general. So let's say you have somebody that comes in there um, that is fairly okay with exercise, no injuries, but still not familiar with snatching, clean and jerk. What's kind of the go-to for you guys? Position one. Yeah, position one, the hip. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of Whether it be that. PVC or a light bar. Yeah, using the legs, just jumping the bar up and getting it to either overhead or up to the shoulders and see where they're at from that. Yeah. Um, sometimes you'll even get, you know, you'll have to take the bar away completely and just be like, all right, you just need to jump and then come back down. Yeah, right. Jump, then come back jump down. and land in the quarter squat with <laughs> your butt behind the heels. That's yeah. it. It's just going back to simplifying as much as you possibly can mm-hmm. to, again, your point, Jess, which now if I'm just having them go from position one and jumping the bar straight up over the head if it's a snatch or to the shoulders if it's a clean – Chance of them hurting themselves is going to be very slim now. Yeah. They can work on that for a couple reps. You could kind of go around, check on with everybody else that's doing the workout, and then circle back around mm-hmm. to them. That was great. So we had a really good example from uh, yesterday's workout with, with the overhead squats. So we had overhead squats, which everybody hates the overhead squats. It's an uncomfortable position. In particular, two people that really hate it are my mom and Grace's mom. Mm-hmm. And actually, your mom would be for the category, but she's a little bit better with it. But... Yeah, so, so she could do front squats if she came yesterday. Okay. <laughs> this is exactly what I was going to talk about. Okay, so we have to context the situation with knowing that with Grace and I both in the room and then with it being my mom and her mom and then Dylan being the coach at that, it puts you in a position where you're kind of just becoming a yes man to them because it's mine and Grace's mom, right? Yeah. Okay. No good, though. You still got to give people what they need, not what they want, okay? Even if it's my mom. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, the, right, so the case being, and I totally understand that if the roles were flipped, that it, I probably would have done something similar. Actually, no, I wouldn't have able to execute it. No, I'm no, just I would have been like, you, get, you know what? You better be on my mom because yeah. I should be on your mom. Yeah, sure. exactly. Don't yeah. take that out of context, people listening. So, um, <laughs> 
So the, uh, but the, the point being there is that's exactly the default, right? So now this is the next part of the scaling where we have somebody that is comfortable with majority of the movements. They're, they really have a good mechanical foundation down, so nothing's crazy in then, But they're just not that quite like let's say proficient in it, let's say they don't like it, right? So they're scaling because they don't like it, which is not necessarily the, the best reason to scale. If you're scaling around some sort of injury or rehabbing back, obviously we take that into consideration. Or if you're new to the movement, like we just discussed, there's volume reduction, right? There's movement reduction back to its simplest form. But when it comes to the fact of advancing somebody to that next place or making them do something that they maybe just don't want to do, there's better ways to do it. So the example that we used here was the overhead squat. It was strengthening work from the rack. Both the moms did not want to do it. Dylan had them front squatting, and then I walked over there, and then what did I do? Do I have them, do you remember what I had them do? Uh, you had them, well, overhead squat. Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what I did. Yeah. I made them That's a question. They're overhead squat, yeah. Yeah, so we reduced the weight down, so we went with rate reduction in that case because <laughs> they couldn't really uh, efficiently or safely get into the position the way we wanted them to. And then I, um, from there, made them go to the overhead squat. And what we did is we reduced speed by 50%, so we went tempo down to the bottom, and then they held the bottom position for a nice solid two or three count, mm -hmm. and then they came back up. Why is that a superior skill than a front squat? Why? Yeah. Why? You got him front squatting earlier. Which one do you think is better for him? Oh, overhead. Overhead. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so why, though? I don't know. Are actually getting them to do the movement that was asked in the yeah. workout. That's yeah. it. And, and that's not hiding, it. you're not like, hiding behind it, you know? Right. So obviously, an overhead squat is a functional movement, which requires the most amount of flexibility and strength out of arguably all, all the movements squats. we do, right? So by avoiding that, how much are of fitness or range of motion in postural things and functional movement are they leaving on the table? A lot. A, a lot, lot. Mm -hmm. right? And so that's the biggest thing for me. And like even the slogan on the website is like, we don't care how much weight's on the bar. We just care how well you move the bar. Yeah. And that is never more true than especially with more and more complex movements or people of certain ages that are losing that functionality. We want to bring that back because we know that a lot of good stuff happens when they could do a really proper strong overhead squat. Mm -hmm. Chances are that person's not going to need a lot of help in a nursing home nope. in another 10 years, nope. right? Yep. We don't need to like measure their health markers and measure their resting heart rate. If you could squat snatch and do a 65 pound or 95 pound and do two overhead squats of any age, any gender, and I mean, referring to people past their 65 or 60 and older, do we need to really check your health markers? No. Bet you they're good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and so that is why we push the people to that way. So if you could squat properly and you could, you know, get into the position somewhat that resembles it, whether it's a light bar or PVC, then you should be doing that movement at its fullest context, mm -hmm. yeah. right? The only reason we should be changing that or tailoring it back is if, if there's some sort of injury or some sort of need for that. Yeah. Any other um, movements you guys want to discuss or any other things you've done with scaling in the past that you're kind of like... Um, what I found, actually just kind of going off of overhead squat, what um, helped find, fight through those uncomfortable positions with that bar overhead was um, just having the person either use the barbell or the PVC pipe, shooting it over their head straight out, and then squatting to the box. A lot of the times with those overhead squats, people started getting into their knees going over their toes, you know, their squat form went down with the sacrifice of just trying to keep their chest up. So having them just even sit to the box and having that security of, okay, my butt's okay, I'm sitting on the box and then standing back up, 
that started to translate over into actually being able to do the front uh, overhead squat. Yeah. So. Now, as far as that, though, my only question would be then, uh, is are you limiting their range of motion if they could already squat? Um, I think what was happening was was they were having their arms over, but then their squat was not going correctly. Does that make sense? So they weren't sending their hips back? Yes, exactly. So they were creating bad habits with their lower half. Okay. Like, so I would even I would even argue that even better than the box then would be a ball. Oh, yeah. oh. Yes, okay. Right? Yeah. Because if a box, unless you had them go to one of the metal ones, which is like 12 inches, I think the 16 is still above parallel. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I like the idea of a target, which, especially in wall balls, I think quite a few people could use targets. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. For that depth. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. Giving some sort of, and that's like, you refer to that as like a tactile cue within the scale, mm -hmm. which is great. In that, and I honestly think that the target, like the squatting to the med ball, like a target squat, is probably really underrated for people that are first starting. Mm -hmm. Like giving them that sort of like, this is our solid end range motion, and then back up. But to circle back around to kind of this whole thing with the overhead squat is, and I will say that once I moved them to the workout, they did front yep. squats, right? Mm -hmm. Because then that was able to preserve the stimulus. They didn't actually have any mechanically like things wrong with the hip. Mm -hmm. A lot of times what occurs is when people, when they get their hips and they go straight down, it's because they're trying to keep their chest up so much that they're forgetting to let their torso drop yeah, a little bit yeah, as yeah. they send their hips back. Yeah. So giving them some sort of target to do, I would definitely go ball over box unless there's some sort of hip dysfunction at that point, right? Um, but if there's no hip dysfunction and they can perform a proper air squat, then we should always hold them at that same depth regardless mm -hmm. of how we're changing it. The pause really worked well and then slowing the movement down because then it forced them to focus on which direction the torso and hips were going in slow motion and then pausing at the bottom started to build that confidence. So I would say incorporate more of that. Now when it comes to the actual Metcon though, you kind of got to give them still a workout, right? Mm -hmm. We still want them to feel like they worked out. So then adjusting to the front squat in that case so was a little bit of a better choice yeah. because then we they were able to move quickly. They were still able to move through the boxes and everything else. Um, so I think that pretty much covered all the major points in scaling. I think uh, we need to just go back to just asking why a lot, which you guys do really well. It's like, well, why do you want to scale this? Is it just because you just don't want to do yeah. it, right? Yeah. Or is it because not? And then challenging people on the flip side of that as opposed to like, hey, Dylan, you kind of been at 55 for your deadlifts and you're at 55 for your strict press. Something tells yeah. me we can deadlift a little bit more next time we come around to that bar. Mm -hmm. And then again, focusing on giving them what they need not necessarily what they want. Mm -hmm. So I've seen times when like, you know, how's this scale look? Well, it kind of makes the movement look a little fancier, but it's not really helping you at the end of the day, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah, you could quasi achieve it, but it's not going to accomplish the goal of doing what you, you can't do and getting to that next step. Mm -hmm. So anything you guys wanted to add about the scaling or anything like that? Well, I think kind of like two different things. So weight-wise, what I found is like super helpful um, when someone's kind of on the fence of should I go heavier or should I not go heavier? Um, at least setting the bar up so that, you know, say it's a five-round workout, maybe the first two rounds they do mm -hmm. it at the heavier weight, but then making so, hey, on the third round, my form started breaking down, I'm not, you know, going as fast anymore, so that's when I have to take off the weight. But at least they're able to try to see how it feels mm -hmm. in the first yeah. two rounds, and then as the workout's going on, if things start breaking down, there it's an easily 
adjustable where you either strip yeah. the weight or you drop a little bit more. I'm yeah. a huge fan yeah. of that too. And I'm really glad I, you brought that up before we close that. that before we close this out. Yeah, because that's extremely valuable. That's one of my biggest takeaways and exactly verbatim how you said it, Jess, is the same way I presented. It's like, hey, it looks pretty good. It looks like you're moving it well. What if we tried for, you know, the first two out of the five and if we start to see a breakdown or it's starting to feel not off just drop those tens, drop mean, those yeah, fives, and keep moving forward. Happen, give it a go, right? Yeah, give it a try. Fence, put it to where you can strip it. If it doesn't work out, you can strip it. Yeah, that's a great suggestion, that's though. Awesome, because sometimes they end up just doing the whole yeah. time. And and oh, like, no, no better oh, feeling. Right. Yeah, yeah. More times than not, <laughs> though, right? Yeah, More yeah. times than not. Yep. That's good. Um, that was great. Anything else you want to add to that? I thought I that mean, was awesome. You can even use that for uh, scaling in general for like handstand push-ups or maybe they're trying to work on a skill but they don't quite have it enough to complete the workout with it i'll always suggest hey maybe do the this. first two rounds do, do that this one start. try the best you can but then like i said once things start to break down then have that plan b of okay maybe my keeping pull-ups aren't working as well anymore so then i do jump jumping up so right. challenge yourself in the beginning to go that extra you know try the new skill but then have a plan B. Have a plan. I like that a lot. I'm really glad you brought that up. And then the last piece, too, that I'm thinking about just recently is like scaling towards your goal, right? Yep. So we ask people all the time, like handstand push-ups is a good one. Uh-huh. Like I would use my mom as an example for this. She doesn't have the desire to really ever learn a handstand push-up, mm-hmm. right? She might want to like do a little wall walk to go upside down for a second on the wall. But realistically, she's not going to want to walk on her hands or kick up and go upside down. And that's fine. But we still need her to have great shoulder strength. So by doing some sort of seated dumbbell uh, press or by doing like a pike push-up where you mm-hmm. could start to build that angle. Now, if it is someone's goal to get to the handstand push-up, then your scale should reflect that a little bit. You may not always go right to the, you know, pike push-up or the seated press. We might include a negative if they're able to kick up on the wall. We might include a wall walk if we want to get them um, used to that or something of that mm-hmm. sort. Cool. Great discussion. Anything else on the scaling? Dylan, anything you want to add? No, I think that was, she, we hit it all in the head. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought up that stuff about the X strategy. That completely passed, like, uh, slipped my mind, and that's really, really valuable, and I think a lot of people could get from that. It's like just giving yourself some sort of tangible goal. I'm going to do the first 10 pull-ups unbroken without jumping. I'm going to do the first round at the 95-pound snatch weight instead of the 65 that I normally do. It's great stuff. Cool. Yeah. Giving the people what they need. Yeah. Not what they want. Not what they want. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sweet. Well, that was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode today. Just a little inside look on the coaches meeting. And please, guys, if you could, share the podcast, like, and subscribe. It means a lot. Thank you. Have a great day.